Well, hey, good morning again. We wanted to uh, kick off with a video about the Super Bowl. We know it's not this weekend, uh, it's next, and uh, unfortunately the best team didn't make it in. The Bengals will be at home this year. But um, we wanted to do that because we have a, an important day coming up here at Four Corners. Uh, it's a big day. It's happening February yeah. 9th, which is the Sunday after the Super Bowl. But we wanted you to be prepared for the Super Bowl so that you could be prepared for the big day. Now, let me give you an update on what the big day is around here. Every year, we do four things that we call big days. Uh, And for us, they're really not about getting necessarily a ton of people here or blowing out uh, numbers and setting new goals. For us, big days are all about you or those of you that call this church home, uh, practicing a spiritual discipline that doesn't come naturally to many of us. In fact, I don't think it comes naturally to most of us. It's a spiritual discipline of evangelism. We know that it's not necessarily comfortable for us a lot of times to have important spiritual conversations with the people that God's placed in our lives. Now, you probably do it with maybe your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend. You may even do it with your your mom or your dad or your kids. But sometimes going outside of those really close circles is uncomfortable for people. And we want to, like you do with all things spiritual in church, grow together. And leaning into the practice of the spiritual discipline of evangelism we think is good and healthy And yet, we don't think it's something that you can keep pace with the entire year. None of us, 51, 52 weeks out of the year, are going to really lean heavily into evangelism. But we figure anyone can do it about four times a year. So, four times a year, on big days, we say to you, lean in on the spiritual discipline of evangelism. Now, for us, it looks like having important conversations that are spiritual with your friends and neighbors. And specifically, during these four Sundays, inviting them to church with you. Having them come and experience what you love so much about this church, whether it is the preaching or the music or the kids' ministry or whatever it might be, inviting your friends to come experience that. Now, we don't want you necessarily inviting all your friends. If you have friends who already have a good church home, don't necessarily invite them. They're, they're doing well, hopefully, already. But you probably, like me, have friends who either are far away from God and need more of God in their lives, or you have friends who maybe aren't connected to a good church home, and we feel like Four Corners would be a great place to invite them to consider the teachings of Jesus, the gospel of salvation, and then plugging in to use their gifts in God's kingdom through serving in this church. Yeah, you know, as people think about this idea of evangelism, I think we get scared because we think that we kind of single-handedly need to walk people through the whole process of telling them about Jesus and asking them to pray a prayer or, you know, make some kind of decision. And We know that for some of you, that's just a natural giftedness that you're going to do. But for many of you, the best thing that you can do is simply to invite them to a church and let Pastor Ben do kind of the heavy lifting of evangelism to tell them the story about Jesus in a clear and practical way. So when we talk about evangelism, it can be kind of scary because it's kind of this big idea. We want to bring it down to a tangible, doable event in your life so that you can invite people knowing that they're going to hear about Jesus when they come here. Yeah, so what are some of the things that they'll experience before we jump into talking about spiritual growth in general, which is what we're going to talk about today? What's going to happen on February 9th around here? So they're going to experience um, a typical four-corner service just turned up to like an 11 instead of like a 9 or a 10. Sure. It's going to be a little bit bigger and a little bit better than normal, but not absurdly so. So they're going to experience some great worship. They're going to experience a truth truthful message from God's word that's practical, easy to understand. It's not going to be so far above people's heads that they don't really know what to do with it. And um, they're going to experience some cool stuff out in the lobby. Just a a great four-corner Sunday, but it's a really good opportunity to bring people knowing that everybody here is also invested in inviting their friends and family as well. Yeah, four-corners kids will be on their 
uh, A game. There's going to be yeah. some fun time with jumpies. They're going to learn about Jesus. They'll do large group and small groups like always. So much like if you were here for Christmas Eve Eve, similar event to that, but it's happening on February 9th. And we're going to be kicking off a new message series that Sunday. Um, it's called Blurred Lines, kind of a playoff of Matt's favorite song from yep. 2013, the Robin Thicke song that many of you <laughs> might have heard before. But we're going to be talking about getting clarity on what God's Word says about romance and dating and relationships yeah. and sex in particular. And so it should be a great message series for you to invite your friends to. Everyone is in a relationship of one sort or another. And if they're not in a romantic relationship, probably one day they want to be. And so whether they're married or not married, whether they're single or in high school, there's going to be a lot of good truths from God's Word that they can cling on to in terms of the message. But like you said, a lot of good things going on. The lobby is going to be a lot of fun. It's probably some photos, some food to eat and stuff like that. And so it's a Sunday you don't want to miss. That's happening on February 9th, the Sunday after Super Bowl, so don't miss it. One of the great things with the Super Bowl coming up, too, is you're around a whole lot of people because you're going to be going to a Super Bowl party, just like the video talked about. Everybody goes to one. So it's a great opportunity to interact with lots of people, to have an intentional conversation, invite somebody, and just ask them to come along with you on that Sunday. Yeah, exactly. So Matt and I wanted to chat with you today about uh, a thing called spiritual growth. And something spiritual growth is that if you've been around church or you've been following Jesus for a while, you've probably heard that phrase before. And I think for me, Matt, I've been doing uh, the Christian thing for a long time, really about all my life. Unlike a lot of people who um, are following Jesus, I don't have really a spectacular testimony. In one way, I think it's very spectacular. Uh, It's kind of boring, though. It's kind of boring because um, I was raised in church from ever since I could remember, and uh, I kind of believed it all from the get-go and put my faith and trust in Jesus, had a decision when I was younger uh, to make Jesus my uh, forever friend is the way we say it around here in our kids' ministry. But over the course of time, um, there was a lot of learning to do and a lot of discovery to do about what that really meant and really do I believe what I was taught early on. And uh, I've done some growing, and yet if you're around Christian circles a lot, you hear things like, we all want to grow spiritually. Or maybe it's said in ways uh, where people refer to going, growing deeper or going deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Some people talk about being mature in Christ. And depending on your background and where you're from, those things those phrases may have a a lot of meaning, and you might know exactly what's being talked about. But if you're like me, even now, after I've been a Christian for a very long time, and I've spent a lot of time and money and energy in seminary trying to discover some things I didn't already know, those phrases are still rather vague to me sometimes. What does it really mean to grow spiritually? We want to unpack that with you a little bit. And I think what we're going to say is not necessarily all that profound, but hopefully it'll bring a little bit of clarity to what that phrase means and really, to a large extent, why we even exist as a church. And the bottom yeah. line is that God wants us all to grow spiritually. He wants us all to be more mature Christians. He wants us all to go deeper than we're currently going. And uh, we want to help you understand that over the next few minutes. Now, I referred to earlier during the welcome time that I was in Southern California recently. I got to go on a pretty cool trip with a local high school and a bunch of students to do some um, time of it, uh, uh, adventure, rock climbing, in the Joshua Tree National uh, Park, which was amazing and scary and uh, way outside <laughs> of my realm of expertise. But we also did um, some serving. We were actually in Los Angeles, and we went to a few um, homeless shelters. In fact, we stayed right near the, the largest homeless population in the entire United States, a place called Skid Row, and um, served for a number of days in some uh, soup kitchens, for lack of a better word, where people are served food 
who um, might not be able to get it otherwise because, again, they're homeless. We had an experience on the last day that I knew the first time I got to speak after this uh, experience that, that I had that this would be a great sermon illustration. You could use this illustration for about anything, and I'm going to use it for spiritual discipline and spiritual growth because um, it, was, it was a unique experience. So we were in a homeless uh, food shelter, food bank, serving breakfast to that morning 1,200 homeless people myself, and about 15 other high school students and a couple other adults. And uh, at about 7.30, the doors opened and people started coming in. Now, we were there to actually serve the food, to put the food on the plate and uh, uh, hand them their drink and to generally be nice and yeah. try to have some uh, meaningful you know, conversations if, if they came up. What happened, though, was most of the experience was spectacular. I and mean, people were grateful. They were thankful. I actually ended up having several nice conversations. Honestly, if it weren't for the way people looked, you would never know that they were homeless. Uh, It was a little different than the experience that I expected. But a couple people, maybe two to to five out of the 1,200 or so, kind of had a bad attitude about the whole free food thing. I don't exactly know why. It's probably a lot of things at play that I can never fully understand being from kind of the suburbs of Cincinnati and always being yeah, raised in kind of a little foreign to you. Yeah, a little foreign to me. One thing in particular happened that, that was unique. We had some high school students standing behind a food line, and one of the girls there, her name was Carly, her job was to hand out the bread to the homeless people coming in. So she had to literally reach down uh, on the, the line, grab a piece of bread, put it on the tray as it came down the line. And as she needed to resupply her basket of of bread, someone from the kitchen would bring her out a bucket, a five-gallon bucket full of new pieces of bread. And the bread bread was a variety of different types of breads. Most of it had been donated from like Panera and Costco and stuff like that. And so you might be getting a a loaf of bread from Panera that was like plain white bread. You might get a bagel that had like, you know, whole grain oats and stuff on the top of it. Some of them had like this melted cheese stuff. So there's all kinds of stuff you might get, but we were instructed, don't let anyone choose. You just give them something on their plate. And if, if anyone asks for anything different, you're not allowed to give them anything different. You just give them whatever yeah. your hand picked up and put on, put on their plate. Well, we're serving the homeless people as they come in, come through. And um, the girl that was serving the bread, someone brought her an extra bucket because she was getting low in her service line with the bread. And she saw a mouse crawling out of the bucket after they brought it to her. You're well, terrified of mice. How did I, well, that work? yeah, I'm terrified of mice, but that's not where this story is going. But thanks for bringing <laughs> it up. Let's go there for a minute. <laughs> had I seen the mouse, I wouldn't have been there to tell the rest of the story. <laughs> so the homeless people are coming through her line, and she comes <clears> to <throat> a, a person who, as she begins to put the, the piece of bread on the, the gentleman's plate, I don't even know what kind of bread it was, he said, I don't want that bread. And so she, trying to do what she was instructed to do, just went ahead and tried not to say much. She said, oh, you know, well, this is a bread for you, sir. And he says, no, I want a piece of bread out of that bucket. And there was a, a, a bagel laying on top that had like whole grains on it. And I guess that was the flavor he wanted. So the, the girl was in a bit of a quandary. Here she is. She's like a 10th grade student. She's not, I mean, you know, she's not really used to this kind of interaction or this yeah. kind of pressure. So she's, she says to the guy, you know, well, this is the bread I have to give you. And he says, no, I want the bread that's in that bucket. Well, she knows a couple things. A, she's not supposed to give the guy the bread. But B, he doesn't want that bread. He doesn't want that bread because it just <laughs> had a mouse crawling all over and right out of it. Yeah. She had knowledge about what was good for the guy that he had no clue that she had. She just needed him to trust her in a certain extent that the piece of bread that she had for him was better than the piece of bread that he wanted. 
And I think that's a truth about the way that God interacts with us that is, again, so widespread you can apply it to almost any situation as it relates to spirituality and growth and following Jesus. God knows so much more about what's good for us, and we don't always get the full story. We don't always know the background. We don't always get to see behind the, the curtain. And yet he offers us things on a regular basis that if we'll just take them and eat them, they'd be so good for us. Yeah. That relates to spiritual growth in, in, a, in a really powerful way because there are things that we can do as we follow Jesus throughout our life that simply are good for us. They may not be the things that we want to do. They might not be our preference. A lot of them are simply disciplines mm-hmm. that we're asked to do. And yet if we just take those gifts that God offers us and eats them, they'll put us in a better situation than we were for, before. And I think that's true with spiritual growth. Yeah, you know, as we look at this idea of spiritual growth, I think there's some things that we just kind of assume we know about spiritual growth, just like that guy that he kind of assumed he knew what was best for him. And I think when it comes to spiritual growth, there's some kind of common myths or misunderstandings that we have about what spiritual growth looks like and how it works. And I just want to take a few minutes to kind of bring some clarity to those. So let's kind of go through those. The first myth I think that a lot of people may have is that this idea of spiritual growth really is kind of optional for them. There seems to be this, this thought among people that call themselves Christians that once you've accepted Jesus, you're pretty much just kind of done. And in some sense, that's kind of true. I mean, once you've accepted Jesus and, and you've said, I want him to be my Lord and Savior, there's, there's really nothing more that you can do to get that acceptance or to kind of be saved, as some people would say. But that's also a really just misleading statement. You know, there's this um, idea that as you know God, And as you continue in a relationship with him, there should be some natural growth and product that is produced in your life as you live out these things and begin to practice spiritual disciplines. You know, as you look through scripture, there's this common assumption that transformation is going to take place and that growth would actually be a natural part of the life of a believer. So in the Bible, a guy named James says it this way. He said, when you encounter the, the word of God, and walk away from it and don't apply it to your life and begin to live it out. It's like looking at yourself in a mirror and then walking away from the mirror and forgetting what you look like. Now, nobody does that. When you look at yourself in a mirror, uh, you see all sorts of things. You see the good, the bad, the flaws. Um, Hopefully you see the flaws. And um, that should be something that you kind of stick in your mind and remember and it becomes part of who you are. He says when you encounter God's word, that should be the same thing. So as you come up against what the truth of God's word is and, and... have an experience with God, it should be natural kind of have a byproduct that you begin to have spiritual growth in your life. Uh, a guy named Paul writes to a church in Corinth, and he says it this way in 1 Corinthians. He's a little frustrated with this church. He says, brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I wanted to. I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. He said, and you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another, and you quarrel with each other. Doesn't it prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? You're living like people of the world. Now, Paul's a little frustrated with these people, not because they're not perfect, but because he expects that as they would have encountered Jesus, they'd be a little bit further along in life than they are, and that their actions would show it in an appropriate way. Now, let me just pause there for a minute and just give you a little bit of cover here. If you're not a believer or you're brand new in your faith, it's really okay that you just don't have it all together. 
even if you've been a Christian for a really long time, there's not this expectation that you're perfect. But there should be this kind of ongoing expectation that you're growing and that becoming more like Christ and having transformational experiences that actually bring change to your life would be something kind of natural. So the kind of simple truth around all of this is this. We think that healthy things grow. As you look around creation, as you look at like animals or plants or even humans, if they're healthy, they're growing. And and there's tangible ways that you can see things that are growing. We almost kind of understand that to be true kind of intrinsically as we look around. And I don't think it should be any different for our spiritual lives. As we interact with God, as we read God's word, as we do some of these things that we are going to talk about called disciplines, it should be kind of natural that as we have a healthy relationship, we really should grow through that process. It's not optional. Yeah, so spiritual growth isn't optional. It's something God kind of expects for us. He not only wants it, but he kind of expects it for us. Now, yeah. when we talk about spiritual growth, one of the challenges for me is, is how do you measure that? I mean, what is it? Yeah. How do I know if, if I'm growing spiritually? And, and um, you know, wh- what are the practical differences? There are some indicators of spiritual growth. You've, been, you've seen this in your own life. My, my mom is, for me, a perfect example of someone who spirit, was spiritually mature. I mean, is she got older uh, in her age. Everyone that interacted with her knew that there was something about her that was unique. It had a lot to do with the way that she saw the world, the way she treated other people. There was a sense that she had a lot of love just flowing out of her. Yeah. She wasn't very uh, argumentative. She wasn't, uh, she wasn't very negatively opinionated. She just generally loved the Lord, and she talked about that often, and she loved other people and kind of accepted you where you are. There, there are fruit or there are signs that are associated with the degree to which you are spiritually mature. And the, mm-hmm. the verse you just read kind of indicates that, that there are people who are spiritually infantile. They don't mm-hmm. really fully get it. And yet there are other people that you have known and met. And maybe you're one of them who are more mature. They kind of get it more. Mm-hmm. For me, there's a verse in the Bible that really explains, really two, that really explain better than any other part what it means to be spiritually mature or to have spiritual growth. And one of them uh, is in Romans. You might have heard this before. It's in Romans chapter 12, and here's what, here's what it says. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Let your bodies be a, holy, a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Those verses, those couple lines are all about what it might look like when you're already spiritually mature. You're a life that's fully and wholly devoted to God. The next verse, though, verse 2 for me, really unpacks what what it means to grow spiritually and maybe how it happens. Here's what it says. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The Greek word there is metamorphosis. Let him have a change in the way that you think about how the world works and who God is. Then you will know, then you will learn to learn to know God's will for you, that which is good and is pleasing. Spiritual growth, Matt, really isn't so much about the things you end up doing with your life. Yeah. They aren't necessarily that I'm going to um, a spiritually mature person isn't necessarily someone who reads their Bible every day and they get up at 6 o'clock and they start their, their Bible or their day that way and then yeah. every uh, breakfast and lunch and dinner they pray and then they have a prayer time with their family at the end of the day. All of those things are good and all of those things might be things that 
help you grow spiritually. But really, what's happening when you grow spiritually is that your mind is being renewed, it's being changed, it's being metamorphosized. The way you see the world is different as you grow spiritually than it is when you're a spiritual infant or before you even know Jesus. God works with you as he reveals himself to you to change the way your mind processes what's going on all around you. Yeah. You get spiritual insight. You see things the way God sees them. Now, like Matt said, this is a process. This isn't something that happens the minute you give your life to Jesus. There's something that happens the minute you give your life to Jesus and that God sees you as perfectly clean, perfectly holy, without sin, immediately. When you say yeah. the prayer and you give your heart and your life to Jesus and make him the forgiver of your sins and the Lord of your lives, you immediately are changed in that way. You are going to heaven you are cleansed from your sins. And yet, there's still this process that has to happen here on this world so that your mind is renewed. It's metamorphosized. Mm-hmm. It's changed so that you see things more the way God sees them. And when you do that, you get to be more and bigger parts of God's plan for this world because you see things differently. You get to love people more like the way that Jesus loved them in the New Testament. You get to be part of helping his plan develop and inviting other people to be part of it. Spiritual growth really is about that metamorphosis of your mind and the changing of your mind, but it happens over time. Yeah. And there are certain things that you can do that help your mind to change. In general, it's all about letting God's nature, God's personhood be revealed to you, but there are ways that you can help to speed that process up and ways that you can discipline yourself so that if you'll engage certain practices, your mind has to be renewed. Yeah. It will be renewed. One of the primary ways you do that is simply through reading the Bible, reading mm-hmm. the scriptures. It, it, over time, throughout the history of the church, and even Jesus did it himself, reading and studying and understanding the scriptures is one of the best ways to find, about, find out about who God is, what his character is, and what his nature is. Jesus read the Old Testament. He was a, he was a student of, of all that was written in the old, in what we call the Old Testament now. And then... Throughout church history, people who are following Jesus, who are growing in their spiritual maturity, who are becoming more and more like Christ, whose minds are being renewed, reading the Bible is an integral part of their daily activity because that transforms their mind. It gives them insight into the way God works and who he is. So it's one of those things that is a spiritual discipline. It, reading your Bible doesn't necessarily mean that you're spiritually mature, but it's one of those things that's a tool for growing up for maturing yeah. your mind much like education mm-hmm. works and we, we go to school and we do the homework and we, we go to college and we go to graduate school because we know that the longer we're involved in the process of learning the more we know about the thing so at the end of the day spiritual growth isn't necessarily about achieving it's about continuing to learn about god's mind for this world god's mind for you and what he wants for you his good and perfect will for you god's plan for nature god's plan for how the whole thing's supposed to work and and what's happening when Jesus died on the cross and was resurrected from there? He wants to reveal that to you, but you've got to engage that process. So when we talk yeah. about spiritual growth, we're not necessarily saying that, look, you have to achieve a certain status and then you're a mature Christian and you're where God wants you to be. We want you to get the idea that you've got to continue to learn mm-hmm. about who God is and what it's all about, what his mind is for this world, and let him transform your mind as you get in line with the way that he thinks about this world. That's what growing in Christ and becoming a more more mature believer is all about. Yeah, I think that's a good kind of lead into what myth number two is here because spiritual growth really is this kind of ongoing process. But I think there's a myth 
sometimes the churches produce or individuals produce the sense that that spirituality and spiritual growth really is kind of this uniform process. And while there are definitely some benchmarks, as you mentioned, around these ideas of spiritual disciplines, of reading your Bible and praying, um, it's not going to look the same for each one of us. We're going to come to the table in a relationship with Jesus with some different experiences, some different backgrounds, some different leanings in the way that we're gifted and wired in a way that I'm not going to grow the same way you're going to grow. And that's really okay. Um, It's not a cookie-cutter kind of faith in a way that says that what works for me will work for you. And at the same time, there are principles over time in history that we've seen that are common in the life of a believer that help move you towards growth in that process. And that's one of the challenges with doing church or leading a church or being part of a church is there's only so many optional ways that we can offer as a church that are all tools to help you grow. But at the end of the day, it's your responsibility to engage those and to engage enough of them so that you can kind of find your groove and what helps you grow more quickly spiritually. Mm -hmm. And so we offer a lot of different things. We're going to talk about some of those at the end of this, but the reality is spiritual growth isn't the same for everyone. Like you said, the myth is that somehow it's uniform, and if you'll do A, B, and C, you're going to end up in the same place. It's simply not true. The things that you do to grow spiritually aren't necessarily the things that I would do to grow spiritually, at least to grow at a faster pace that really engage my mind and my heart and help me understand the way God thinks about this world. I mean, it's, it can be radically different for people following Jesus. Yeah. The third myth that I think is, is a challenge is that some people seem to think this idea of spiritual growth is easy and that it kind of happens effortlessly. So, um, you know, to hear some people talk, if you talk to some people that are Christians, um, it seems like there's some magical prayer or a specific Bible verse that you should read or a song that you should sing. And if you do those things, it just kind of clicks. And suddenly you've just kind of arrived at maturity. But I, I need to find those people because I've tried a lot of things. Right. And I, it's never just clicked for me. Um, it's always taken some work. It's always taken some intentionality on my part to actually engage God actively to figure out what it looks like to grow. Um, I don't think I've ever just stumbled into being more like Jesus. That's not how I'm wired. I don't think that's how most of us are wired. Yeah, it's a lot like exercise or like I said about education. If, if you want to lose weight and um, be in shape, there are disciplines you have to do. You have to eat more healthy. You have to s- stop having Twinkies at night before you go to bed, Matt. You have to, <laughs> you know, you have to uh, exercise, maybe go to the gym or walk or run. But there are things you have to do to achieve the goal that you've set for yourself. To, to grow in your health, you have to practice disciplines of health. To grow in your knowledge of a certain area of study, you have to practice the discipline of engaging the study of those things. Mm-hmm. Spirituality is the same thing. If you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, you have to engage the things that reveal Jesus to you, like prayer and reading the Bible and things yeah. like that. You know, on, on some sense, spiritual growth really is easy. In the, I know that if I do those things, if I engage them regularly and with intentionality, whether my heart's always in it, over time, God will work on my heart, and I will grow. So in that sense, it is kind of easy. It's also hard in the sense that I'm usually the one that gets in the way. Um, Paul, one of the guys that wrote a lot of stuff in the New Testament, um, struggled with this. He said, I don't do the good that I want to do, and I do the good that I, or the, the evil that I'm not supposed to do. And he's one of the people that we hold up and say, you should be like this guy as he follows Jesus. And he didn't have it all together. He knew that there were struggles, and sometimes this idea of spiritual growth is two steps forward and, and one step back, because at the end of the day, I, I'm still 
fallen and a little bit sinful, and I've got some challenges that I would rather pursue instead of pursuing God. And so while it's easy if I totally engage those things, it definitely takes a lot of effort on my part to actively and intentionally kind of align myself with God. Yeah, sometimes it can be discouraging if you're like me. You have in your mind these good examples of of really mature spiritual people. And um, I know that in my heart of hearts, no matter how much I want people to think differently of me, that I can't live up to their standard. And that's why I think what you mentioned about Paul, what he shares with us in the New Testament is, is so important because I think at the end of the day, we all have those internal personal struggles. We all know that we don't live up to God's standard for what it means to be holy and acceptable and right before Jesus. In fact, if we could do that, there would be no need for the whole gospel itself for Jesus to do the work for us. And yet we have in our minds that somehow a lot of us that we have to achieve that on our own. It's not the case at all. In in saying that you want to grow spiritually, in saying that you want to be a mature follower of Jesus or a mature Christian, you're not saying that you want to achieve. Mm -hmm. You're saying that you want your mind to be changed about the way you view things. Now, over time, that will affect your actions. I mean, yeah. much like it did for my, mo- my mom. She was a follower of Jesus for a long time, but she wasn't perfect, and she didn't look the same 20 years ago that she looked in the last few years of her life because it's a process that happens over time where as your mind is transformed, you begin to look more and more like the way Jesus looked mm-hmm. and the way Jesus loved and the way Jesus did things. But it's a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong process, and while you... It's easy in one sense. It's not easy, and it doesn't happen by default. It's a process that you have to engage. Yeah, so knowing, kind of kind of bringing a different perspective on these three myths, I want to take a little bit of time and just chat through some of the tools that we offer here at Four Corners to help you grow, knowing that it's not really an option, um, knowing that it's not uniform in a way that it's all going to look the same for everybody, and knowing that it's not always easy. What do we do with all those things and kind of help people to still take some steps forward as they grow. So I want to chat through a couple of the things that we offer. The first one here at Four Corners that is really important as we engage helping people grow spiritually is small groups. So when you sat down, there was a small group catalog on your seat. It actually looked like this. I'd love for you to pick that up, actually put it in your hands, and interact with it while I'm chatting with you. Take a chance to look through it, observe some of the groups in there. If there's a group that stands out as something that you know you want to be a part of, Go ahead and just earmark that page, and I'll tell you in a few minutes how you can sign up for a group. But I want to tell you why small groups are so important here at Four Corners as we try to help you engage spiritual growth. Uh, We do small groups for three primary reasons. The, The first is that we want to help you get connected. We think it's important that as you come to church, that outside of a Sunday morning, you're connected to a body of believers and other people that are headed in the same direction in life as you are. Other people that are also wanting to grow in their faith and move forward in their, in their relationship with Jesus. So we want you to get connected, and small groups are a great place to do that because you're in a group with other friendly people who also want to get connected, and you get together on a regular basis for the next 12 to 15 weeks, and you get to know some people in a way that you begin to build relationships. The second reason we do small groups is because we think that you really will grow spiritually. If you take the time and block out some time over the next 12 to 15 weeks and say, I'm actively going to engage this group in a way that I'm going to give time to what I think is important and let God work through that process, we really think that you'll grow. Whether that's in a learning group where you get together with other people and specifically engage some knowledge 
some information about Jesus and the Bible and those kinds of things, or if you get into a serving group where you actively go out and be in the hands and feet of Jesus and you put other people first, or you get into a connecting group where you simply get together with other believers and with some intentionality see what God brings as you build some relationships with other people. We think that those are really important. And the third thing is we want to help people embrace seasons. You can't be on fire for spiritual growth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You will get exhausted, and you won't be able to keep up with the knowledge that you're learning about Jesus in a way that you can actively transform that into life change and action and heart change. So we want to give you some time to engage and rest and engage and rest. It's one of the reasons that we do small groups the way we do is semesters here at Four Corners. So one of the tools we're going to give you to grow specifically is small groups, and you have the chance to sign up for those today. Now, as you flip through that catalog, in the very first few pages, there's something new in there this semester that's called the Gospel Project. Specifically, the Gospel Project is one of the things that we're going to offer over the next coming semesters on an ongoing basis as a way to give you an opportunity to more actively engage uh, a Bible study that's a little more specific than something we've offered in the past. So it's a great way to get in a group that will study Scripture in a way that over time you begin to see some bigger themes of movements of what God's trying to do in the Bible and how that applies to your life. So I'd love for you to consider getting in one of those. There's 12 of them. They're all over the community. There's a map in there so you can even see kind of where they're at and how close they are to where you live. But I think those are going to be a great opportunity for us to kind of get together, study Scripture, and grow as we do that through this process. Yeah, so the Gospel Project are some new things that we're offering. I think there's, what are there, like 10 or 12? There's 12 groups this semester. 12 groups, and uh, hopefully there's one that's close to you in a time frame that works for you that you can engage. So, and again, specifically around learning more about Bible content and expanding your Bible knowledge. But yeah. like you said, small groups for us, every single one of them, no matter which one you choose to engage or how you can sign up for more than one if you yeah. want. All of them are meant to be mind-renewing kinds of experiences for you. And like you said, we know that you can't do that all the time, but if you'll engage it seasonally, we do it on kind of a trimester basis. We know that that engagement of these mind-renewing activities over time will continue to grow you up in Christ and move you from being an infantile follower of Jesus to one who's a lot more mature. Um, There's another verse in the Bible. I said there were a couple earlier. One was in Romans. There's another one in Colossians uh, chapter 3 that for me, again, dispels out what spiritual growth is. And as you think about wanting to be mature in Jesus, this verse may be more crystal clear than any. I I think says it may be in a a way better than even talking about spiritual growth or going deeper or being more more like um, a, a mature Christian. So here's what it says. Colossians 3 verse 10. It says, put on your new nature. That's almost a reminder of what it was talking about in Romans. This new new mindset and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become more like him. Your mind is changed. Your mind is transformed as you begin to know your creator, learn more about God, and you become more like him. You put into practice the things that you learn. Yeah. And small groups are a great place to do either some learning or some activities around um, being more like Christ. Another option that we offer besides small groups is uh, are some serving team experiences, right? Yeah. You can at Four Corners uh, serve on teams, and it's a big deal around here to serve. We ask people to serve not because we need to get more ministry done. The reality is we probably have as many people as we need to do all the ministry that needs to be done. Yeah. 
We want you to serve because we know it's good for you to serve because it gets you to put into practice some of the things that you're learning. It also helps you use your gifts and skills, the, the way that God wired you, your passions in God's kingdom for God's purposes. And we know that if you'll engage that discipline of serving, of actually doing things with your hands and your feet and your time and your, your calendar and your, your energy, that's another transformative thing. And so we do small groups, we do serving teams, and then like we talked about earlier, we also push uh, a very important discipline called evangelism through these yeah. big day processes. There are four years. The next one's coming up on February 9th. Evangelism is a big deal because not only does it, does it grow you up as a follower of Jesus when you engage people in a conversation about important spiritual things, but it also gives you, it gives you clarity of vision for how important it is for other people. Mm-hmm. As you grow yourself, the last thing you want to be is selfish about the growth. I mean, it should be natural that as you discover new things about God and the way this world works, that you would want to share those with other people. We think evangelism is a natural result of spiritual maturity. In fact, I'm not sure you can be a spiritually mature Christian if you're not sometimes evangelism. Like we said, you're not going to do it all the time, but man, it has to be one of those things. It's almost a natural outflow of where you're at with Jesus. But even if it isn't, if you're like me, maybe you're not as mature as you want to be, the discipline of just seeing other people and seeing the need in their life for more of what God has to offer really is a transformative process. So small groups and evangelism and serving on teams so that you can use your gifts and skills and passions in God's kingdom are all things that we offer at Four Corners to help you grow spiritually. We know it's not a one-size-fits-all. We know that you don't have to engage all of them all the time, but we do also know that if you'll engage some of them on a regular basis— with discipline, you will be transformed over time. And your knowledge of who God is will be different than it was when you began. Your mind will be transformed. It will be metamorphosized. And you will be a growing Christian. You will be, yeah. be becoming more spiritually mature. You know, one of the things I love about Four Corners is actually one of the things that made me want to call this church home long before I was ever on staff was that every Sunday we do what we call Next Bold Steps. We don't want to just in, engage God's word on a Sunday and walk out of here and go, man, that was a great message or, man, that was a terrible message. But either way, we don't want to do that. We want to walk out and say, here's what I know I should do based on the knowledge that I just gained from interacting with God's word. So today's no different. We want you to pull out your Connect card. Let's take some next bold steps together. Some practical ways that you can begin to move forward in a relationship with Jesus through spiritual growth. We know that as, as you engage these bold steps, It provides opportunities for God to interact in your life in a way that brings transformation. So next bold step A here at Four Corners every week is the same. It's a big deal to us. It's why we exist. We want to offer people the opportunity to come into a relationship with Jesus. So if you need to, for the first time, say, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, you can mark that box next bold step A, and we'll be in in contact with you this week to tell you what that looks like and some practical next steps that you can take as you start this journey of faith that we've talked about. Next bold step B is I want to be baptized. Some of you have been following Jesus for some time now, and you've never taken the opportunity just to say publicly through baptism, hey, I'm with him, and I want to go public with it in a way that everybody knows. If you want to do that today, that's a great opportunity. And much like evangelism, it's one of those things that maybe will stretch you, but will be a great benchmark in your growth as you kind of measure where you're at and take some steps forward. And the next step C, as you engage the small group catalog, as you looked at it, 
If there's a group in there that you know you'd like to join, go ahead and check the box next step C, and then right after that, write the group number in there that you'd like to be a part of. So as you look at your catalog, there's group numbers off to the side of every group. So like CG01 or LG07, LG08. Simply write the numbers of the groups you'd like to be in, and you'll get contacted later this week by your small group leader to verify that you got involved in that group. Yeah, if you're kind of thinking you might want to do it, I would encourage you to go ahead and mark it. Honestly, if it doesn't work out or you hear from the small group leader and it's just not what you thought, you can back out. But don't let whatever you feel like you want to do right now, um, don't let the worry about what might be in the future keep you from doing it. Just mark it, get the email, and you can decide um, later if all the things work out for you. All right, next bold step D is the one that's all about evangelism and the big day coming up. If you want to do this, and you can mark several next bold steps if they apply to you. Uh, Mark D, I will invite two people to meet me in the lobby on February 9th, the big day. If you're already planning to serve that day, but you're wondering, should I serve or should I invite people? And if I invite them, I want to sit with them. Don't serve, invite, and sit with your friends that you invite to come to church with you. If you're willing to invite at least two people to come meet you in the lobby on February 9th, it's a good thing. We say meet you in the lobby because a lot of times people are hesitant about coming into a new place they don't know. Tell your friends, you're going to meet them, you're going to show them everything. It's going to be easy for them if they'll show up. And then next bold step E, uh, I will do a one-time serve on Sunday, February 9th, the big day. So put me in a place where I'm needed. Honestly, if you're not going to invite someone, do this one. It'll still be a transformative practice as you try to grow spiritually. Get plugged into a serving team. This is a one-time shot. You may hate it, but you can do anything yeah. for you know an hour and a half or a couple of hours. And I bet in that process, you'll discover that you like serving maybe more than you ever thought you did. And if you're newer around here and you're not on a team, this is a great way to start to get to know some people and actually help us accomplish one of our missions in this church, which is to reach out to new people who are far away from God. So with that said, let's say a prayer, and then we'll sing one more song in worshiping God and celebrating who he is. So pray with me if you would. God, we love you. We're grateful that you invite us into a relationship with you where we can not only be cleansed of our sins and be made right in your eyes and be made holy, but where we can grow to know more about you and your world and your plan for this world and your plans for us so that our minds can be renewed. So God, as we engage spiritual growth, give us the boldness to actually uh, commit to doing some disciplines in our lives that would change us over time. And give us the stamina and the fortitude, Lord, to actually follow through with the things that we commit to, knowing that if we will stay in the plan and in the practice and in the discipline, that over time, our minds will be renewed, our minds will be changed, and we'll begin to see things more like you and begin to act more like Christ. God, we love you so much, and we're grateful for the opportunity that we have to engage you in this process and the gift that you've given us. We love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen.